Good morning. It is good to be back with you again, and uh, I am glad to be back with you again. To, to be and I appreciate the invitation. I guess I, I should say Chris's invitation. Then I remind myself that in order for that to happen, he had to go to the other side of the world just in case it didn't work out. <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, uh, he asked if, if, if there were any decisions made last Sunday in the worship. I said, well, there's a whole bunch of people decided not to come back today as a result, so I don't know where that counts for anything. But I, uh, I'm glad to be here with you. Good to see Bob and uh, gosh, you, you we retired about the same time, and uh, that's, that's an interesting journey when you've been a pastor for four or five decades as we have been. I wrote a book back about seven or eight years ago on identity and, and sort of anticipation of this thing called retirement. I discovered it was a lot harder than I wrote about, and uh, it's a real challenge to figure out exactly who you are after you've had that identity for so long. But seriously, I speak for myself, Suzanne, who will be joining us at the second service for your courtesies last week. And, and I know that you are excited to have the group back. And, of course, as parents, we certainly are looking forward to a safe return. And I encourage you as well as myself, and we're going to stay over uh, until they get here, at least till then, if not a little longer, to make sure everybody's safe and sound and back in their normal places and there's gonna be some serious jet lag they've been in the air essentially a full day and uh, that that's going to be a tough readjustment it's just the part of traveling that I don't care much for but we'll keep praying until they pull into the parking lot uh, a little later today I want to turn your attention to these passages for today and if you don't have your copy, just listen to the reading of them, and I'm going to add one more from the book of First Chronicles to the two that are already listed. And uh, listen to the subtleties. We talked last Sunday about how some of the most profound truths of Scripture come not like bold lightning, but often come in the form of, of, of a subtlety that if you aren't careful, you, you almost overlook it. And that's the case with these uh, two, now three, passages that I want to read. Hear, hear the word of the Lord from Deuteronomy chapter 6. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant, then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. From Deuteronomy 8, be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on earth to your forefathers. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert through these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart and whether or not you would keep his commands. And then let me add, and you don't have to look it up, uh, this second, third passage from 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verses 11 and 12. Look to the Lord 
and his strength, seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles, and the judgments he's pronounced. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Lord and gracious God, we bow before you this morning, thanking you for the privilege of looking into your word, for its power, for the message, for the truth that we need to hear. And we pray that the presence of your Holy Spirit will be a bridge between this printed page and the depths of our heart, that the truth we read might indeed become the truth of our lives. And we offer that prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. If you pay attention to the calendar, you will notice, of course, that, that the calendar calls on many occasions to just stop <clears throat> and remember. I mean, that's what, what the holidays, most of the holidays are all about. And, and that's a, a good thing. There's some wisdom whether or not the calendar realizes it's wise or not. We've just finished the observances of summer. Memorial Day at the beginning and the July 4th celebration. And we are quickly approaching an annual season of remembering. And, and I'm not talking about Halloween. Uh, got nothing against Halloween. I'm amazed at what we are doing with Halloween now. Uh, some of you are aware, I'm sure, that, that in terms of our culture, the expenditures for Halloween now are second only to Christmas. That's how much money we spend. There's a, a vacant drugstore right down the street from our house, and it's used once a year. Uh, they set up a Halloween store in it for just this one particular season. Now, I'm not knocking Halloween. I'm, I'm all for it. But look at your calendar, though, and you'll notice a number of other very special, important seasons of observance, of celebrations, of remembering that are right in front of us. Today, you're remembering hunger. You're remembering those who are hungry, and, and, and we need to do that, not just on these special occasions, but at all times. In November, uh, we will remember our veterans, and we should do that. But we also move into that season of Thanksgiving, a uh, time to pause and to give thanks and remember and then, of course, Christmas, and what can you say about Christmas that, that isn't about remembering what was done for us? So we're entering this whole season of holidays and observances, and the one thing that they all have in common is that they call us to stop and to remember. And that's what really celebration is all about. That's why we say we celebrate a lot of things. We celebrate... Uh, the Lord's Supper, it's stopping and thanking God for something and holding it up before him and saying, thank you for this. That's, that's what, I did a word study of celebration many years ago, and it, it has an interesting history, the word. But in my mind, it means that you just stop and thank, give thanks and then, and then remember. Let me introduce this whole issue of remembering by a, a poem that I've rediscovered and appreciate so much. It has to do with that issue. <clears throat> it's one of the classic poems of all time, composed by Rudyard Kipling in 1897. And if you know anything at all about the context of this poem, there's something that makes it very interesting. It's entitled Recessional. 
and I'm sure you've read it at some point in time, and it's actually based on this text that we read a moment ago, Deuteronomy 6. What's intriguing about it is that it was composed as a part of Queen Victoria's Jubilee celebration. It was supposed to be this huge celebration of, of England and the United Kingdom and the Queen, and it was, it was to be a big deal. And, and Rudyard Kipling wrote this poem in honor of that occasion. But instead of it being this big, bold, celebrating kind of poem, you'll recall that he took a different approach. It was a form of celebration, but it was a very sobering reminder of the transient nature of power, even the royal British power, and in the midst of their celebration, they should take caution. They should take caution not to forget. He knew how easily that could happen and the poem expresses both the pride of the empire, but also this underlying sadness that the empire might go the way of other previous empires if they do not practice the discipline of remembering. The poem acknowledges there's only one source of permanence, the permanence of God. And it has that familiar, almost haunting refrain, lest we forget, lest we forget. Let me read part of this poem to you. God of our fathers known of old, Lord of our far-flung battle line, beneath whose awful hand we hold dominion over palm and pine, Lord God of hosts, be with us yet, lest we forget, lest we forget. The tumult and the shouting dies, the captains and the kings depart, still stands thine ancient sacrifice and humble and a contrite heart. Lord God of hosts, be with us yet, lest we forget, lest we forget. Far called our navies melt away, on dune and headland sinks the fire. Lo, all our pomp of yesterday is one with Nineveh and Tyre. Judge of the nations, spare us yet, lest we forget lest we forget. That haunting refrain really sticks with me, lest we forget, lest we forget. And I think how easily we forget. It is so easy to do, and, and it's not sometimes that we mean to, it just happens, even as we celebrate. <clears throat> and how that refrain really should be repeated in our own minds every day, lest we forget lest we forget. I think of all the forgetting that seems to be taking place today, and there's a lot of it. I think of what's happening culturally. One of my concerns, I am an early baby boomer, and I remember the early days after the war, World War II, and I still remember all of the conversations about the cost of that war and the wars that have followed. In World War II, have we forgotten the 26,000 casualties and 6,800 who were killed on Iwo Jima? And my dad was on that island and survived it barely. 
or the 62,000 casualties at Okinawa and 12,000 killed, or 200,000 casualties at Normandy and 37,000 dead. I wonder if we've forgotten that and all of the cost in wars since then. And it's so easily done. We, we don't mean to, but it just happens. My dad, who's 95, was wounded on Iwo Jima, has up until the last couple of years been very active in speaking on behalf of veterans and in large groups, had uh, a number of television interviews, and was speaking a couple of years ago at a high school on, on the role of the soldier. And he talked about some of these casualties. And after his speech was done, he was getting ready to leave. And a history teacher came up to him and, and said, we really aren't teaching those facts to our children anymore. They don't really need to know those. They're so depressing. And he was just blown away by the fact that, uh, that this history teacher said it's no longer important to remember that cost. And what about other uncomfortable facts historically that we shouldn't forget? One of my best supporters at Providence, where I served almost 20 years, was the chair of the search committee that called me there 21 years ago now. Uh, a six-foot-five African-American man named Tom, who was one of the most sophisticated gentlemen I've ever met, still is to this day. But there were a number of times that I had to say to him just to live with my own conscience that while, while I was growing up in South Georgia, uh, absolutely unaware of what was happening around me in those days, that Tom was being arrested for trying to eat lunch in a restaurant. And I've apologized to him several times that, that somehow I just forgot in those days what was going on and that had we known each other then, we couldn't have eaten together in the same restaurant. We shouldn't forget that. We shouldn't. I look back to the trip last fall and our tour of the Holocaust Museum. That was a very moving experience to go through that museum and it's so very easy for us to forget what we are capable of doing to each other and we should not forget lest we forget lest we forget the temptation is to write off the challenge to remember as just a an aging issue and i agree i agree i'm i'm a young man sort of and uh, memory gets to be a little bit of a challenge because of distractions. I think I make all kinds of excuses for it. And some of it's funny, some of it's not. I, uh, <laughs> one afternoon, not long before I retired from Gardner Webb a few months ago, I was getting ready to leave and walking around in, in, the, in the office trying to get ready to make my long commute back to Charlotte. And the young man that I worked with said, I came in, what are you looking for? And I said, I'm looking for my keys. He said, you talking about the ones in your hand? I said, yeah, those are the ones I'm looking for. Uh, 
nevertheless, we write it off sometimes as just an aging, but it's not an, just an aging issue. And of course, there is a point where forgetting is not funny when it is when it becomes symptomatic of something far more serious in regard to our health, and we, we hear so much about it today. Uh, what intrigues me about the current challenges of Alzheimer's is that, that it's so relatively new. Uh, when I was in seminary, I was for a year a chaplain in a psychiatric hospital. This is in the early 70s. Now, they didn't even have the term Alzheimer's then, and I, part of my job was to help give patients shock therapy, electroshock therapy. But I remember the diagnosis for all of these patients was uh, schizophrenic reaction undifferentiated type. That was the diagnosis. That meant Alzheimer's. We just didn't know it then. So it's not funny. That part is not funny. It's a very serious issue. Yet there, there is another kind of forgetting, though, that has nothing to do with losing our keys. Uh, or the symptoms of dementia. It's the tendency to forget who we are and whose we are and the rules that govern our daily living. It's the kind of forgetting that Kipling feared and covers more than just national pride. It's a warning about human experience, the tendency to forget and what happens when we do. These two passages are wise words of Moses, and let me talk about them very quickly. I am uh, amazed at what Moses said in this Deuteronomy 6. This is very early. It's right after the, the Ten Commandments. And of all the things that Moses could have talked to them about, he said, we need to be careful. You need to be careful not to forget that it is the Lord your God that brought you out of Egypt. And if you aren't careful, you're going to forget that. That's essentially the paraphrase of what Moses said to them that day long ago. And I believe that, indeed, it's a discipline. He expresses the same concern in Deuteronomy 8. It's years later. They're getting ready to cross the river and take the land that belongs to them finally. And I think of all the things that Moses could have instructed them and what he could have said to them. Look at what he said to them. Do not forget that it's the Lord your God who's brought you this way, who's provided you with all of this. He could have talked about military strategy or how his organization would function and a dozen other concerns, but instead he talks to them about the importance of remembering. It's more than just a nice suggestion. It really is an imperative. Moses approaches this as a discipline. A discipline is something we do on purpose whether we feel like it or not. Moses did not say in verses 1 and 2 of ch chapter 6, when you're up to it or when, when you have a tendency to forget, just remember. He said, remember. It is a discipline. It is something you do even when you don't feel like it. He also talked about the course of destruction that happens when we forget and we are likely to make mistakes when we forget. And those mistakes can be very costly. When we become proud, it's easy to forget God's commands are not relative 
and it's easy to assume that we can bend them to meet our own selfish needs. There is a, this passage in Chronicles that, that I cannot ignore. It's about a moment in the life of David. David has been anointed king, and the Philistines have tried one more time to beat him, and they finally give up. They're not going to beat him. And I thought of all the things that David could have done to celebrate the victory. He could have been riding in on a white stallion or have a big military parade. But do you know what he did in this chapter? We only read a couple of verses of it. He prepares a place for the Ark of the Covenant. And he instructs the people to come and bring that Ark of Covenant to stand before them, to be placed in front of them. And he says, this ark should remind you of the wonders of the Lord. Of all the things that he could have done, he chose to place the ark of the covenant in front of them as a reminder of the wonders of the Lord. I think it is vitally important to remember what David said as he talked to his people that day. That the reason that David had the ark brought to the tent that had been prepared was a reminder of God's involvement in their lives, of what God had done. And David commanded his people to remember the wonders of God and to remember the agreement that they had made with God. Back to the trip last fall, and I talked about it a lot last week and this week, and and should because it was a, a real special moment to travel with many of you, uh, to be there with my family, or at least many of our family members. But our God, Ezra, you'll recall, often talked about the temple and the majesty of that temple, particularly at first. But then it was destroyed, he said, because the people forgot the covenant that they had made. And then after Persia, it was rebuilt. He was very honest. As a Jewish man, he said, again, we forgot who we were, and we forgot the covenant, and it was destroyed again. You know, he was honest about it. Didn't blame it on anybody else because they forgot. They did not remember Which brings me to what I want to place before you today, and I'm watching the clock. I think it's important for us on a personal level, on a historical level, on a cultural level, and certainly even as a church, that we do not forget, that we remember. If you don't care anything else with you this morning from this place, I'm asking you to claim this as your takeaway. It's absolutely that we practice the discipline of remembering and know the dangers of forgetting are very real. I can tell you from my own experience that so many of the dilemmas that surrounded me were not because of a lack of God's care. It was because I had forgotten something. I had forgotten something very important. And I want to offer a a, quick Cliff's Notes version of it that, that I would encourage you to take with you of the risk that are involved. 
First of all, it's so easy to forget who we are. I talked a moment uh, when I was talking about Bob and myself about the whole issue of identity. It's easy to forget who we are. And we are a child of God. That's how we come in. That's how we go out. We don't take any of this with us. We leave this place as a child of God. I still have some memories of my great-grandfather on my grandmother's side. His last name was Bishop. We, I, I'm not even sure I can tell you his first name. It was Papa Bishop. That's all we ever knew him. And Papa Bishop was this gruff old man. I remember him mostly sitting on my grandmother's front porch rocking and smoking his pipe and coughing. You could hear him cough all over the county. He was a gruff old man who was widowed many times, but uh, had an interesting way about him. But in spite of his gruffness, there was something that he would often say to his family. Whenever you went to see Papa Bishop and you turned around to walk away, he would say, hey, don't forget to tell him whose boy you are or whose girl you are. It's so easy to forget who we are. Second, it's so easy to forget to whom we ultimately belong. We are not our own. We belong to God, and we ultimately will be responsible to him. It doesn't matter who our boss really is. It doesn't matter to whom we think we report if we're still in the labor force. Right now, I report to Suzanne. There's no question about that. Retirement does that. But to ignore the person, the one to whom we ultimately belong, is a risky venture. It is very risky because we run the risk of disappointing that one to whom we belong. And last, it's so easy to forget the rules that apply to life. God provided us with ample and simple instructions, commands, rules, whatever you want to call them to live by, and they are not given to us to restrict us from having a, a healthy and happy life, but to make us have a happy and healthy life for ourselves and our families and those around us. We often think of God's commands as a way of, of limiting our lives maybe to keep us from enjoying life, but they are given to us for specific reasons. The first text from Deuteronomy 6 immediately follows the Ten Commandments, and every one of those indeed contributes to an orderly life. They are not to keep us under God's divine thumb. They are, they are reasons. There are reasons for every one of them. Let me wrap this up and say to you, ask you a very important question. What are you forgetting today? What are you failing to remember? For each of us, it could be something different. Or maybe there are some commonalities among us all as well. This morning, do you remember who you are? Do you? Do you remember whose you are? And do you remember the rules which you should be living, by which you should be living? Moses 
thought it was important not to forget. David thought it was important to remember. Rudyard Kipling thought it was important. And we could spend the rest of our day talking about all that our Lord thought important to remember. Which brings me back to where this started, to Kipling and his poem. Lest we forget, lest we forget, so I ask you on this 22nd day of September, it's not a holiday on the calendar. Nothing on the calendar says it's any more important than tomorrow. But I ask you today, hear me, hear me well. What have you forgotten? What do you need to be remembering? I believe the shape of your future depends on how you answer that question and that's what I came here today to tell you will you pray with me Lord it's so easy to become involved in life and and forget what life is all about even more dangerous to forget what we are about help us to practice the discipline of remembering and in so doing not forget who we are whose we are and how we're supposed to live Lord, give us strength and courage and wisdom to live according to your will. And we offer that prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe something you need to remember this morning is to make a commitment. It might be made right from where you sit or stand. It might need to be something you share with this church, uh, some important decision and receive the support and prayers of those who care deeply for you. If there is a decision, you're invited to come as we stand and sing.